1: Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's News podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and today we're here to discuss the Monday night football matchup between your two and five New York Giants and the three and four struggling by their own standards, Kansas City Chiefs. And here to help uh, help us uh, break the game down is Pete Sweeney of SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride? Pete, thank you very, very much for for coming on.
0: Yeah, hi Ed. I I know you mentioned it as far as the Chiefs' standard. I didn't realize that the Chiefs would be at this point when they met the Giants on Monday Night Football, trying to battle to get back to five hundred. But here we are, right? Well, it's one of those things, Pete. People
1: look at the schedule months and months ahead of time and oh, this game's a win, this game's a loss, this team's great, that team's terrible, you can't tell until you get there. And that being said, the Chiefs are 3-4. and I looked at their schedule. The four games that they've lost are to four of the best teams in the Mm -hmm. AFC. How happy are Chiefs fans to, to see the Giants on Monday night?
0: Well, I I think it's become a thing where I mean you have a Chiefs team that in the off season was breathing the words twenty and O, which understandably is pretty arrogant. And So the expectations are sky high. It's it's a regular season in the sense of you know everyone says Super Bowl or bust. Coming into the season, it was basically let's get the bye week in the regular season, or you're kind of not meeting expectations. To me, that is completely out the window now that you have four losses, especially to the division leaders in every AFC division. And so you get to the Giants game, and I think if you're going to stay alive for the division and stay alive, really, it's crazy to say this, covering the Chiefs uh, in the AFC playoff picture, you got to get the games that you should at this point because you mentioned how hard the beginning of the schedule was. We looked at it, and we saw the beginning, and it was treacherous. The Chiefs now have losses to the Titans, the Chargers, um, the Ravens. Among the teams, and they're they're leading, and and we thought, okay, this is going to open up. The Bills is the other one. This is going to open up for the Chiefs. And what has happened is now they have the Cowboys, who suddenly look like Super Bowl contender. They have the Bengals still on schedule. So the only real winnable games in the rest of the schedule are the Giants, and then two games with the Denver Broncos. Those are really the only games that you say you say, okay, you should get, and you could kind of, as you were saying, mark as proverbial wins. But the Chiefs are so uncertain now. If they drop one of those games, you're talking about a team out of the postseason, potentially, and almost probably. And so it's almost less, I think, for fans right now about, okay, we're so thrilled the Giants are in the schedule. Easy game. It's like, damn, we better get this one because the schedule, it doesn't open up this schedule. The Chiefs have they have the hardest remaining schedule when it comes to records. They need to get these games that are, quote, unquote, winnable and so this kind of translates as one of them this feels like to me it feels like a game
1: for kansas city that that could be a i guess what i want to call a a get healthy game or a get right game or you know maybe a game not only where they where they win but where they hope to look like the kansas city team
0: that they expected to be is that fair yeah and and you might you might want to do predictions at the end but like what i i think what kansas city needs is a domination of the new york giants because it's just where the the play the teams are in in the state of their franchises the giants are still building towards something the chiefs are supposed to be the afc favorites right so a get right game includes not only to me winning but winning in a fashion where it's like okay we realize okay the chiefs in in a sense are back i i tend to think and i can give you a a deeper prediction maybe later but i i tend to think the way it's going to go is like I think the Chiefs will win, but it won't be in a fashion that makes you feel better about the team when it comes to the Chiefs standards. Like I I think the Giants will be in the game. And I think that's where what the Chiefs are right now. And, and that's what they've shown through seven weeks. In some ways,
1: I honestly think that the Giants and Giants fans would take that. But yeah. but let me let me ask you this. There are really, when you look at the Chiefs, there are two things that are really really stark and really really obvious in terms of why the Chiefs are 3 and 4 at this point. Mm-hmm. One is turnovers and you know they lead the league in turnovers and Patrick Mahomes has nine interceptions this year already after 11 combined in the past two seasons. The other one is struggles on defense. Let's take them separately. And let's, let's do this. Why are the Chiefs turning the ball over so much so far this season?
0: Well, they're, they're unable right now to beat what is you know, too high coverage. And that could be you know, cover two. Sometimes it's more zoned into cover four. Other times it's uh, two safeties back and they do man coverage in front. And what that has created is a complete elimination of the deep ball. Andy Reid, as you might remember from the days of him coaching the Philadelphia Eagles, he prefers to throw the football. And especially when you get down, for example, last week, like against a team like the Tennessee Titans, you completely abandon the run. And then all of a sudden it becomes one dimensional and it becomes an easy thing. Uh, Tyree Kill has been banged up all year. He has had drops. He is not getting separation. Two of the interceptions and two of the turnovers went off Tyree Kill's chest. Uh, people have realized, look, we're not going to give Travis Kelsey free releases. We're going to beat him up at the line. You take away those two weapons. The Chiefs don't really have a third option. Clyde Edwards-Elair, who was supposed to be this pass catching back out of the backfield. He's currently on injured reserve. Josh Gordon has not panned out. And then you have a hodgepodge of receivers, Nicole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, who's, who certainly aren't good enough. All the while, you have an offensive line that's still working together for the first time. There are five new starters Uh, One actually just got replaced with last year's starter at right tackle, but the other four guys are new on this offensive line, and you have some bright spots in a rookie, Creed Humphrey, who looks like one of the best offensive linemen in the league, but he's the center. Trey Smith to his right has been pretty good. Joe Tooney uh, to his left has been pretty good, so the interior is okay, but the tackles are letting the Chiefs down, and Mahomes, who is normally ever reliable, is not helping these guys because you have a five- to seven-step drop. Mahomes ends up making it 11 or 12 because he's not trusting his offensive line. Nobody's getting open downfield, and he plays right into the hands of these speed rushers. And so Mahomes is pressing. The weapons are, are getting beat up. The offensive line hasn't been great. There really isn't a third option, and Andy Reid isn't running the ball. What does that lead to? Patrick Mahomes trying to be Superman, and Andy Reid is not being able to set it up for him. And what it ends up being is interceptions. And then it seems like when the skill guys get the ball in their hands, they're not holding on to it. You have all kinds of guys fumbling, especially Cole Hardman with two fumbles. You had Tyreek Hill with a fumble Clyde before he got injured. It actually led to a loss against the Baltimore Ravens, probably against the Los Angeles chargers. And so it's been quicksand into the sub 500 record with no room for improvement. And I'll tell you, like it, it it's become a thing where you have these opposing defenses and they may have an identity, but they're going to throw it out the window against the chiefs. Like the Ravens, for example, they love to blitz, right? They basically didn't blitz because Patrick Mahomes throws a lot of his picks against uh, no blitzes. Um, you have teams that, that simply maybe don't play as much um, cover two per se, and they're going to do it. Like that is what the, that is what the giants in my opinion will do no matter you know what they're used to against the chiefs because the chiefs just can't beat it. And until they, they do and put that on tape, it's going to be more of the same. And so, uh, am I confident the Chiefs will get over their turnovers? I said at the beginning, "Oh, this is an outlier. This is an aberration." But I've lost confidence that they'll get over it.
1: I guess there is no no sense reinventing the wheel when uh, when the playbook is out there as far as how to uh, how to defend Kansas City. Right. The one the one thing I will say you you were talking about Andy Reid and going back to Andy Reid's days as coach of the Eagles that the one thing that was always Andy Reid's blind spot or Andy Reid's downfall was always that he loved the passing game. He loved the big play. And even when he didn't need to, right, he would abandon the run and, and not use it, at, at, and it wouldn't be a threat. So it's interesting to hear this that even, when, even this, this was- far in his career, it's still
0: it still tends to be the same thing. This is when Shady was in his heyday, too. I mean, we saw LaShawn McCoy toward the end of his career, and it, w- it was kind of a shell himself type of thing. Um, but he was a, a great, great back. And <laughs> you'd be like, man, why are they not utilizing this awesome player? And right now it's Daryl Williams, who is probably better than advertised, but he just doesn't get the carries. The Chiefs offense this year, because of how teams are playing them, it's played its best when it's been 50-50, if not a little tilted, in the favor of running the football. And you saw that against the Washington football team. The problem against the Tennessee Titans is the Chiefs got down really quickly. And so I thought Andy Reid, and, and he doesn't usually fall for this, but I think he got um, kind of pressured into going one-dimensional. If you go to the game prior to, yeah, Darrell Williams, the back, only had 62 yards, but they handed the football off 21 times. That's what defenses are doing right now. You have to run it. And it's it is dating back to the Eagles, Giants days of Andy doesn't want to run. Right. And until he does and until I think there's a commitment there, I think it's going to be more of the same.
1: Interesting. Let's talk about the uh, the defensive struggles for Kansas City. Giants fans are very, very familiar with Steve Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator, obviously, you know, I'm among the many who have a soft spot for, for Spags. I kind of wish he was still here in some respects, but right. uh Chiefs defense has been good the past couple of years, not great maybe, but they've been good enough. I think, you know, around 10th in the league in, in points allowed. They've been, you know, they, they've made enough plays, they've they've created enough turnovers. But I think this year, Kansas City is maybe if i if i remember correctly i think they're 27th in the league in in points allowed i think giving up maybe 29 points a game what what's the difference i mean it's the same defensive coordinator it's a lot of the same guys um, what's going on there
0: yeah i think chiefs fans are are getting a little bit of the spagnolo experience right now where you can have the high Best of highs, and they look like the best defense in the league. We saw that in the 2019 Super Bowl run, especially toward the end. And sometimes you look like one of the worst defenses in the league. And, and I, I think it's, it's par for the course in a little, in, in somewhat of a sense, for Spagnuolo when you think about his Giants' days and really his Rams' days when he, he did get an opportunity as a, a head coach in St. Louis. The, the defense, it, I would say the defensive line is similar in a sense to what I said about the offensive line. You have uh, a a brand new defensive line. Chris Jones, they decided, even though he's one of the better tackles in the league, right right behind Aaron Donald last year, they opted to move him to the outside, which he has wanted to do for years. They brought in Jaron Reed from the Seahawks. They have Derek Nottie in there and Frank Clark. is on the other edge at the right edge position. Problem here has been uh, injuries to Jones and Clark has kept them off the field. And so they've had to get, um, defensive end depth there. And a, a good second year player named Mike Dana, he's done a nice job. But the fact is, Mike Dana on his finest day is not going to be Chris Jones or Frank Clark on their finest day. And really, the defensive line as a whole has not played um, together uh, enough. And I think they've been really banged up. And so, what you're seeing is you're not getting non blitz pressure of the quarterback and Steve Spagnolo is really, I think, only seeing that pressure when when they do a lot of times bring an extra guy. And as you know, that'll open things up. You also have an injury at the second level in Anthony Hitchens. The Chiefs didn't have um, one of their high rookie picks from last year. He's now a second-year player named Willie Gay um, until recently because of an early-season injury. So at the second level, they were lacking speed. And what you were seeing is not really running backs damaging them, but quarterback runs were killing them early especially against the Eagles and the Bills and the Lamar Jackson Ravens, where the quarterbacks can run the football. And then as is par for the course in a Steve Spagnuolo designed defense, you don't really have uber, uber, uber talented guys in the secondary. What you really, really rely on is four man, three man pressure. And when you're not getting any of that, the secondary becomes uh, in a sense, uh, vulnerable and so a guy like A.J. Brown against Mike Hughes, who might be average to slightly above average on his best day, is getting exploited. And then what that leads to is, okay, so Derek Henry was the threat last week. You're trying to stack the box. You're trying to focus on Henry, and they did a decent job at that. They held him under 100 yards, which is really good against Henry and the way he's playing this year. But then you're getting killed through the air. And then what also ends up happening is they were really bad in the red zone to start. They're still pretty bad in the red zone. And if you start the game like you did against the Titans with five straight drives points, you're putting your offense in a a bad position. They can't score. And then in the, in the second half, if you have a back like Derrick Henry, like a a Saquon, I'm not sure if he's going to be available. I know it's, it's up in the air looking like week nine, but um, you're in trouble. And so that's kind of in a sense what has been happening. It's been the lack of health and when they have been healthy just not performing especially up front when it comes to pass rush
1: you don't want to take a short break for a word from our sponsors at sb nation when we come back i do have some questions uh about a couple of specific chiefs players and we'll talk a little bit about a game prediction for monday night another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here on the Valentine's Views podcast talking with Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride about the Monday night football matchup between the Giants and the Chiefs. Pete, I have to ask about a player who used to be a Giant, was a controversial Giant, is now a Kansas City Chief, and got a second chance in the NFL thanks to Andy Reid in Kansas City. Uh, Of course, I'm talking about uh, Giants former first round pick DeAndre Baker. And I guess the question is, is Baker taking advantage of the second chance that the Chiefs have given him?
0: It seems like it. What happened with Baker and, and his trajectory is the Chiefs were really liking what Baker was doing last year, especially toward the end of the year. They got him acclimated with the system and he was getting getting high praise from another familiar face in kansas city uh sam madison who is a secondary coach here dave Merritt's another one you might know uh and they were really liking what baker was showing and they hadn't made the decision to call him up and i remember asking sam madison for an update on baker because it was this big name as you as you know and he was in kansas city and and the chiefs had a need in in, in the in the defensive backfield the back end and what Madison, who was a really good interview, he'll, he'll kind of shoot you straight. He was saying, You know, we've been impressed with him against our top receivers. And you look at the receivers in the Kansas City Chiefs last year. So, so they were having him up against Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. Again, practice is close. So you don't really get to see. And he was having some success. And so, you know, I, I think the Chiefs were primed to maybe give him the call up for the postseason. And then in the week 17 game, which would be the mock up to say, Okay, is he ready? He ended up breaking his femur. And I asked uh, for an update kind of this year where he was. He's made uh, appearances here and there, but it does seem like he's still working his way back from an injury. And so I think it's been less about the injury or I'm sorry. I think it's been like less about maybe the off the field stuff and more about his like late season injury last year. That's held him back this year. I would be interested in seeing what he looks like next season. Right now, he'll, he's kind of just profiled as a reserve guy for the Chiefs at this juncture. I think he could still play this year, but I don't think he's the player quite yet back from the injury that maybe the Giants selected in the first round. As far as off the field stuff, as far as we have heard and, and, and this and that and the way that players have talked to him, especially last year when it was more of a, a subject, uh, he seems to have embraced this second chance and second opportunity. And I I think it goes without saying that it's a a bit easier to play in a city like Kansas City where you don't have 17, 20 reporters in the locker room. And it's like more four or five um, than it is in a a city like New York where there just is so much attention on you. And he seemed to have found a home. Again, I'm curious to see what he does uh, in 2022.
1: Well, good for the young man if he's able to you know, to get back on the field and, and, and be a contributing player for Kansas City. You hate to see a guy, no matter what, you hate to see a guy sort of throw away his career, throw away a great yeah. opportunity. And, and that's
0: where it felt like DeAndre Baker was headed. Yeah, no, uh, again, it just seemed like he had a, he had his, a good head on his shoulders. And, and really, I think, too, what helps someone who, you know, has had problems off the field is throwing him in a room with someone like Tyron Matthew, who is really the above-all leader of the locker room. But the interesting wrinkle about Matthew's story is that coming out of college and in the draft, I mean, he fell in the draft because he got kicked off his college team and has wound up being a multiple-time all-pro player. So who better to be in a locker room with Baker than a Matthew who can say, look, dude, you really, really you know, had a, had an opportunity here. You squandered it. But hey, guess what? You're here with a good team. We're gonna surround you with positive energy. We're gonna, I'm gonna guide you. If you have any questions, I'm here for you. You could come out, and there's light on the other side of these problems off the field. And I have to think that that's been helping the young men.
1: Certainly, Pete. The other guy I have to ask you about is rookie offensive guard Trey Smith. Now we all know Trey Smith's story. We all know that that you know he was a a medical risk heading into the draft. He's probably a guy who on talent alone would have would have been a day two pick. Yeah. And he's a guy who a lot of Giants fans are still shaking their head going, why aren't the Giants the team that took a chance on this guy? Because the Giants are a team that's struggled on the interior of their offensive line. Ton of injuries, Nick Gates starting center out for the season, Shane Lemieux starting left guard out for the season, Ben Bredesen, who they brought in from Baltimore to, to help at left guard, has had a hand injury and missed a bunch of games. Now Andrew Thomas, their left tackles on IR, should be back in a few weeks, but that's still another, another blow to, to an offensive line people weren't sure about to begin with. Giants had a couple veteran guys retire in training camp. So there are still Giants fans shaking their head going, why aren't the Giants the team that took a chance at some point on Trey Smith? So the question really is, I know he's starting for Kansas City. How well is he playing and, and how good do you think that this kid can be?
0: Yeah, the bad news for Giants fans is it was a, a critical mistake. And the good news is that 30, 30 other teams made the same mistake. Uh, he's been so good. He's been one of the bright spots uh, of the Chiefs offensive line. He's playing next to Creed Humphrey, who, again, looks like he's maybe the best offensive lineman that was in the draft period. So with all these problems, there are some bright spots for for the Chiefs. Uh, through seven games, and that's all we can we can say right now, Trey Smith has allowed four pressures. Um, you know, that's, that's from those PFF numbers. So take that for what it's worth, but he looks like a guy uh, who has brought a new energy to the line. He has a chip on his shoulder from again, 31 teams passing him up five times and has come in and for whatever reason, there were some medical fears there. I think a lot of teams identified, okay, he's had these medical problems in college and took him off the board really quickly which ended up being a good thing for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, man, as a six-round pick, why not? Let's see what we can do. And I I think it became clear um, very early in training camp that this was a player that looked fine. And maybe that could change, right? I mean, we're only seven games in. Um, But through seven games in this look, he looks like he's going to be a a starter in the NFL for his career. I I can't see him not being that. And what a break in and for the Chiefs. I want to break not for other teams in the sense that, you know, we talk about the uh, the idea of rookie contracts for quarterbacks. What the Chiefs have now is they signed Joe Tooney in free agency as a premium left guard. But they have Creed Humphrey at center and then Trey Smith. Uh, at right guard on their rookie contracts now for the next three, four years, just depending on how it goes. And we'll, we'll see about Orlando Brown. We'll see, again, some room to be desired and, and right tackle right now is a veteran and Mike Ramers. But, uh, man, to have the interior of your, your line locked in, I think, is a good thing. And and I would say, yeah, I think Giants fans should be a little little peeve. But, again, so should 30 other franchises, quite honestly. Right,
1: and, Pete, let's finish with this. I mean, we we talked a little bit about it at the top of the show about the the expectations for for Monday night, and in in terms of of a prediction, you know I think the Giants will be competitive in this game. I think that the Giants are sort of you know they're they're punching uphill here, but I don't think the Giants are going to embarrass themselves a, a year ago, they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a very similar situation and gave the buccaneers all that they could handle in a game that they actually had an opportunity to win you know but but obviously and ended up losing i think the giants will give a good accounting of themselves here but i just don't think the giants have enough to actually go into arrowhead and and win this game you know despite the fact that that kansas city hasn't been kansas city so far this year Uh, just your thoughts uh you know in terms of of a a final prediction for monday night
0: yeah i think very early in this game it is going to be competitive um you know it's been tough to predict what the chiefs are going to do this year because you you keep thinking okay maybe they they've turned the quarter like for example the chiefs go and beat the giants uh division foe the washington football team by a score of uh, 31 to 13 and you're like okay this is finally the Chiefs team. Then you go and predict. All right, we're going to score, or the Chiefs are going to score thirty some odd points against the Tennessee Titans, and then they go and lay, lay an egg of three. Um, I I think the Chiefs, and and I I just am going on my years of experience covering this team. I think at some point they're going to turn it around, and why not against the the New York Giants as as far as contending, getting back to that consistently scoring around thirty points. And so I have the the Chiefs around. 30ish, I would say 33, 34 points. And I have the Giants putting up what they did last week, like 24-25. I think the Giants do cover. And so I think, you know, 33-24 feels like a, a good score for this game, but I think it'll be a game early, especially into the second quarter and, and we'll see how it goes, but I, you know, one thing I'll say and, and and Giants fans can hang their hat on this is uh, if you feel all right about your offense right now, the Chiefs are the worst defense in football. Um, and so as long as you could stay with, with the offense and it, the offense this year to an extent has looked stoppable at times, um, then, you know, the Giants may be in this game. One thing I will say is I do feel at some point the Chiefs offense is going to figure this out, meaning putting up points and putting up points and putting up points and typically defenses, you know, can't stop them. And so look for, I think, Giants and really any team that, that plays the Chiefs to continue to take those let's just say good risks, meaning if you have fourth and two and you're at the Chiefs, let's say 30-yard line-ish, go for that. I mean, the defense has not shown that they can uh, stop them in those situations. If you're on the goal line and maybe it's fourth and three, and, you know, you might have temptations to kick a field goal. No, go get the seven points, uh, because like I said, just because the Chiefs offense has struggled, especially last week, doesn't mean that they're not going to suddenly fix this thing. And you need to score points if you're going to be Kansas City.
1: You know, Pete, I wasn't going to really go here, but you're absolutely right. If the Giants, if the game becomes a shootout, I don't think the Giants can can stay with Kansas City. The Giants haven't scored 30 points yet in a game this year as we do this we don't know if saquon barkley's going to play we don't know if kenny galliday's going to play we don't know if kadarius toney's going to play we don't know if sterling Shepard's going to play those happen to be the four best playmakers the giants have outside of daniel jones <clears throat> so it's, it it's hard to think that the giants could stay with kansas city in a shootout the one thing i will say is i think that the giants offense has at times been better maybe than some of the numbers indicate the problem for the giants has been shooting themselves in the foot largely with with mistakes and drops and penalties last week against carolina they scored 5 points in the first half two on a safety three on a field goal they had six opportunities in carolina territory once they got stopped you know, on a first and goal at the two, and they couldn't score. And I think five other times they drove into Carolina territory and shot themselves in the foot with penalties and negative plays. Yeah. If they ever eliminate that kind of stuff, they might actually look like a good offense. But I just, I can't see any way that they keep up with Kansas City in a shootout. So,
0: yeah, you, you know what this it, it just sounds like in talking to you and and kind of just what I've been experiencing over the past few weeks. These seem like two teams that are susceptible to just panic within games, meaning if either team can get out to a 14 point lead, that might be enough to kind of push you through just because I think the other team, in a sense, is going to be reeling, kind of saying that up. Oh, here we go again type deal. I'll tell you this, Ed, if the Giants somehow pull off this upset, which to me is plausible at the, the state of the Chiefs, I mean, Kansas City, in a sense, in a fan base is going to go off the deep end, and, and typically I'd be the the voice that is like, look, you don't have to panic, but this is a, a true game, at least for the Chiefs, where it seems like you go get this done, or you might be out of playoff contention, and so I think that's what the Chiefs are playing for. I mean, it is the point of desperation on Monday night right here for the Chiefs
1: not a place anyone expected the chiefs to be at this point. Pete, thank you very very much for for spending some time with me today. Giants fans as always, please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check out uh, arrowheadpride.com if you guys want the the chiefs perspective on uh, on the Monday night game. As always, we thank you for listening. Please remember to stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.